0: Out the window right now Watching all this snow Looking good, looking great Looking fresh air Yeah, I want to thank my people For coming in and chiming in on me And listening to me I sit here and marinate on my thoughts Maybe some of y'all can help me With my thoughts Give me your opinion, what you think about it, How you feel All you gotta do is just come on in And, holler at me and let me know So, you know I got a lot of information i like to know. I'm not here to start nothing. I'm not here to begin nothing. And I ain't even here for no drama. I'm just here to learn. Just here to learn. And just here to learn. But I want to thank all y'all for coming in. Y'all take care and have a blessed day. And peace.
1: Tell me why they envy me Lord, I pray you defend me from my enemy nah, nah. Defend me from my enemy Defend me from my enemy yeah. Defend me from my enemy Defend me, no, nah, nah, nah what
2: race has the highest number of serial killers white dudes you don't even want to give it a shot <laughs> nope you're white it's caucasian dudes really yes what do you think Can I hear the options first? Um, Well, there's really no options. There's percentages. So, I mean, white dudes are definitely in there. But what do you think the percentages are? Of serial killers? Of all the serial killers in the world, in the history of the universe. What is the percentage? (laughs) Oh, percentage.
3: Of Of, the most. I'm going at least
2: 40, bro. 51. Percent what? Caucasian males. (laughs) White males. White (laughs) males. It's... 82% 82% white men. Tell you, bro. 82%. I would not have
4: 82, but I knew it was them. God damn, man.
2: 15% is black, and then the other percentages are the other ethnicities. So they're just they're way down there. I think it's like 5% or, or 4% or something low like that. Do you guys ever see those racist racist comment sections of people going well, 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 whenever they see like one black guy, um, stealing a candy bar or something they, they go well 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 as if all black people steal stuff mm-hmm. but for serial killers i want to go well 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 <laughs> it's killers it, it's true what percent again 82%. 82 percent. okay i was gonna say if it was like 50 maybe because there's so many white people but no 82 percent no. that... that's kind of crazy folks what is that so if all is if all black people steal does that mean all white people kill <laughs> All black people like chicken that. I didn't say that <laughs> Look, all black people like chicken I'll, I'll take that, I'll take it Because we do, we like some chicken But isn't that crazy? 82% I would love to find out why, bro I knew, I knew it was white males, but I, I just I would not would love to find out why I, I don't know, let me ask you Since all white people kill <laughs> How me. many people have you killed, Kobe? <laughs> don't look <laughs> at me like that Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that's, not, no, that's not a good look
1: so y'all gonna slip on that right if those percentages are real he said you got 82% of white men are serial killers we already know what they did to our forefathers so if two white guys was on there he asked them and they were like wow they didn't know you know what I'm saying so why see the Bible said in um, um, Esau blessing by the sword you will live right if Esau's blessing is by the sword you will live and the sword is the modern day whatever you killing somebody with is that something to think about And y'all can imagine, and you look at all through the world right here, who is killing all everybody? See, y'all, we, who, what, we're dealing with a particular type of people if these things and these facts are true. Serial killers, man.
3: What? Let's turn our attention to Ukraine because they are out of young men. Where they all go, Dead. they sent them all off to war to die needlessly when they could have lived and we could have had a peace agreement over a year and a half ago. Uh, Ukraine has sacrificed an entire generation of young men so that President Zelensky could sell a war to the world. And now Time Magazine is reporting that the average age of a soldier in Ukraine is 43. That's outrageous to think about how they just, they're gone. This is the Time Magazine article we talked about a couple weeks ago. We're going to talk a little bit more about it. Um, But think about that. They've used up all of their young men. Now, we've been saying this for months, and we've been called Russian apologists. Uh, Now Time Magazine is saying this. Are they Russian apologists for looking at the fact that these men are needlessly dying for a war? Um, Now you know, having sacrificed a whole generation, it seems like Ukraine is being thrown under the bus of the Western media, or rather dragged um, under the bus, that is the US war machine, and just doesn't seem to have a use for this war any longer. How do we know this? Well, here's one clue the Time magazine cover that came out just about two weeks ago, uh, says nobody believes in our victory like I do, nobody. Uh, I think he meant that as like an inspiring quote But instead it made him look like a delusional idiot. Um, Now the Washington Post this weekend shows just how far they're willing to go to throw Ukraine under the bus with this hit piece where they published a claim saying they had studied and found that the Nord Stream 2 pipeline sabotage that happened last September was done by Ukraine interesting here's the headline now they even name names they say that it was a man named Robin Chervinsky Uh, I'm not going to show you his picture for a second because
4: the fact that there will be no more ambassador from South Africa in Israel no more ambassador these uh, Jew haters Zionist haters Zion bashers from South Africa. These subhuman barbarians who took over the country there more than 25 years ago. These people who caused death rate the highest in the world. Violent death is something in South Africa which happens more than any other place in the world. The same level as Venezuela, and it's outrageous, barbaric. These people who represent the lowest scum of the earth, they cannot build one bridge, they cannot do anything positive, they can steal properties from the whites, they can kill the whites, they can kill the farmers, There were hundreds of Jews killed in South Africa during this period, by the way, as well. Robbed, killed, and uh, with some constant racial flavor. So they decided that they cannot keep their ambassador in Israel because of Gaza Strip. Thanks, God. Get out. Never come back. All of you, all of you, All of those who support the terrorist organization called the ANC. All of those who support violence, death, degenerates. What they've done to South Africa. Terrible. Terrible. I hope South Africa will become South Africa again. Ons Sferio Zodafris. Alaskapa, from the security team for Kibbutz Biri, telling Haaretz, Israeli forces killed Israeli Jews on October the 7th. The IDF called for aerial strikes that killed Israelis. Okay, maybe it is true, and all the the, uh, 1,200 people who were killed on the 7th of October were killed by Israelis. Why is that not on... Uh, it's actually in the Israeli press, but it's not in the press in okay. the United is, States. And I, I believe that it is 100% right. I mean, are you crazy? Please, please. I don't want to participate in such a dialogue. Let's go to Gaza right now. Let's go to Gaza right now. What, what do you think about Israel's isolation in the international community? Well, there the uh, former... Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs in the Israeli government, uh, the former uh, Israeli Minister of Justice, the former Israeli Minister of Economics and Planning, the former spokesperson for the Israeli Labour Party, the former uh, Israeli Minister in the Prime Minister's office of Israel.
5: Rachel, would you consider Benjamin Netanyahu an authoritarian foreign leader? Sit
2: Sit down. Can you please answer that? Here Would you consider
5: you. Netanyahu a dangerous authoritarian foreign leader? Will you answer that? Will you stand up for the Muslim anchors at MSNBC who have been taken off the air? Will you speak for them? Will you speak up for them? What what do you call a country that bombs people in a hospital?
4: Is that fascism?
6: The answer- I did more fundraisers for APAC in the 70s and early 80s than uh, I, just about as many as anybody.
7: It was incorporated in 1963. For 10 years prior to that, it was known as the American Zionist Committee for Public Affairs.
6: If I know AIPAC as well as I think I do, I don't think there's any senator who's ever done more fundraisers for APAC or gone around the country more for APAC.
7: And according to its website, it has over 3 million members across the country in regional chapters working to, quote, expand and strengthen the U.S. Israel relationship, end quote. You may know AIPAC as being one of the biggest and most recognizable donors to many of the members of Congress in your state. My father
6: pointed out to me, I did not need to be a Jew to be a Zionist. For I am.
7: Israel is essential the security of Jews worldwide. Before 2021, AIPAC de- did not endorse candidates nor give political contributions. Its focus was on lobbying elected officials, not actually electing officials. But in a dramatic shift in policy, APAC began directly funding candidates and spending big on races in 2021. There's no apology to be made. None. It is the best... 3 billion dollar investment we make, whether or not in Israel the United States of America would have to invent an Israel to protect her interest in the region.
3: If this warning doesn't send shock waves to your body, I don't know what will. Packs,
6: Packs of Chinese male, males of military age unattached to family groups pretending not to speak English. These are probably saboteurs who are coming in on the first day of war with right. Asia. In Asia, I think that we're going to see Axis sabotage, assassinations, detonation of bombs, starting wildfires. Um, and the Biden administration is paying no attention to this.
8: We are but seconds away from midnight in relative terms. The intensification of hostilities around the world in the last 24 hours is astonishing. We're seeing geometric escalation in the Middle East, and it's happening just like we said it would, which is scary because what we say happens next is even worse. Now, I'm going to enumerate all the headlines, and after I do that, we're going to talk about a nightmare NATO scenario that I believe they are holding on to as a plan B contingency and it involves a decapitation strike on the Kremlin using nuclear weapons. And they're doing these big arrow maneuvers right now that suggest that these are not exercises, okay? We always joke about there are no military exercises, only World War III disguises, but this starts to really look like something. And I'm going to provide all the details. Now, first let's talk about what's happened. the last 24 one of the biggest pieces of news is that iran has joined the conflict iran has launched missiles the longest range ballistic missiles that they've ever launched in their history from their territory no longer is it irgc-backed militias this is iran launching ballistic missiles against syrian targets while israeli-backed u.s Backed, massad affiliated according to the Iranian targets in Syria this is big this is a massive escalation in addition to that the Houthis have targeted a US commercial vessel and it was actually a hit this time it was not deflected it was not shot down they were able to target a commercial vessel that means you guessed it more escalation in the Middle East now prior to to Iran firing the longest range missiles they've ever fired in their history get a load of this the Iranian foreign minister gets off the phone with the Russian foreign minister they finalize a deal for a strategic partnership what does that mean well it ostensibly means that what we've been saying all along in that Iran is quite possibly now under the Russian nuclear umbrella if you want to talk about a Gog versus Magog biblical scenario for all you Christian eschatologists out there you guys know I'm an agnostic but I throw you a bone every once in a while there you have it it doesn't get more Gog Magog than that you now have the Iranians and the Russians potentially aligned along nuclear lines who are about to go to war with Israel in the United States and who's in the backseat the North Koreans and the Chinese we are but seconds away from midnight
5: the US has done it it's gonna be bad now If you know anything about the Chernobyl nuclear accident, you will understand that the children that were exposed there underwent a scientific experiment, and they wanted to see what could naturally remove cesium from their bodies, because what happens is it builds up inside of your organs, that's what gives you cancer, it's just doing constant damage inside there. I want to give you a kind of a a mental visualization. So what radiation is, is it's like invisible ping-pong balls, okay? Now, these ping pong balls can go through objects, but then when they get stuck in one, they do nothing but bounce back and forth, back and forth, over and over again. And this is causing systemic damage. It's causing damage to your organs, causing damage to your bones, to your intestines, because they don't stop bouncing there. They get through certain forms of density, and then they bounce around and cause damage. So these... Uh, these forms of radiation, if stuck in your organs, if stuck in your bones, will cause things like cancer, radiation illness, all sorts of other things. So the children that were exposed in Chernobyl, they did an experiment and they said, what could naturally remove the radiation from them? And they found that apple pectin, it's the same stuff you find in like raw apple cider, eating apples, you find it in a lot of fruits. This pectin had the ability to bind to cesium and then it would the children would excrete it through their urine and their feces. So I don't know about you, but I went to Amazon and I started buying real 100% organic fruit pectin. Why? Because it's better than nothing. And that's the stage of this game we're at. The U.S. has done it.
6: The threat of a broader Middle East conflict is growing after Iran fired missiles at northern Iraq on Monday, targeting what it says was an Israeli spy base.
9: NBC News chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel joins us now from Jerusalem. Hi, Richard. Good morning. So let's start with what we are hearing about Iran's attack and and what's been the reaction from Iraq and from the U.S.?
10: So this was a, uh, a surprising uh, incident. It happened last night. It was first announced by the Iranian Rev Guard, uh, which is a, a, a division of the Iranian military. Uh, it's been sanctioned by the U.S. It's been called a, a terrorist organization, uh, but it is an elite force of the uh, Iranian military. And according to the Rev Guard, they fired a ballistic missile into Kurdistan, which is an autonomous region in uh, in, in northern Iraq. And when this first uh, when the first news uh, broke last night, uh, after midnight here. Uh, I and other journalists were, were shocked. We thought, "What is going on here?" The Iranians are firing ballistic missiles into uh, into Kurdistan. Uh, it exploded very near the uh, the U.S. consulate uh, in a, in a, in an area in a, in a wealthy area, right in the uh, in Erbil, which is the the largest city in Kurdistan. And um, uh, it turns out that, according to U.S. officials, according to Kurdish officials, that the U.S. compound was not the target. The target was a, a private compound owned by a wealthy Kurdish. Business. Businessman. And according to the Iranians, the reason he and his compound were targeted is that he was allegedly cooperating with the Mossad. And Iran believes that he cooperated with the Mossad to carry out an attack on the funeral uh, or a funeral commemoration for Qasem Soleimani. If you remember, just after Christmas, there was a devastating attack in Iran that killed dozens of people when uh, when they had gathered to uh, to honor and, and memorialize Qasem Soleimani, a former uh, revolutionary. Guard Commander and uh, the Iranians uh, have blamed the United States, they blame the Mossad, Uh, they have blamed uh, many, many people uh, for, for that attack. And, and uh, the, the U.S. called this this strike carried out by Iran as as gravely irresponsible, uh, but so far we're not seeing, we're not hearing many specific condemnations from, from the U.S. It seems like, in this case, the United States is trying to stay out of it and not escalate things e- even further. Richard, let's
6: talk about the situation in Gaza this morning. Why isn't enough aid getting in, as the U.N. is saying?
10: Well, it's very simple. The, the, the Gaza Strip is sealed off. You have uh, 2.3 million people in Gaza who are not only under attack, uh, most of them have been forced to live in a tiny area in the in the southern Gaza Strip. Uh, many of them are living uh, in and around the city of Rafa. Uh, Rafah is a small city. It only had a few hundred thousand people living in it uh, before the war started uh, just a hundred days ago. And now, there are many hundreds of thousands uh, living there. Uh, it's hard to know how many people are living in Rafah. Some people say it could be close to a million at this stage. And the infrastructure, which has been damaged because of attacks, simply cannot support that many people. And the infrastructure has been attacked by Israeli uh, Israeli strikes, and supplies are not getting in. So there are a multitude of factors that have made life uh, unlivable for the people of Gaza. And now we're hearing from a variety of UN officials, including the Secretary General, the. Food program that not only is Gaza on the brink of starvation, that starvation has already begun because food trucks uh, can't get in there. There is the will, there is just not a way because Israel doesn't allow supplies to get in there. There there are a few passageways. Uh, each truck that goes in has to be inspected multiple times. There's many uh, approval processes that have to go through, and uh, there's a, you have this, this this tragic situation with aid trucks full of supplies just miles away from people who are either starving or on the brink of
6: starvation. Thanks for watching. Tensions are continuing to rise in the Middle East. The U.S. carried out additional strikes on Houthi targets in Yemen. And with me now is CNN's military analyst and retired Air Force Colonel Cedric Layton. Uh, Colonel Layton, I mean, this this certainly seems like a ramp-up by the U.S. and its allies. We saw what took place um, on Thursday
9: and now we're seeing even more That's uh, right.
6: attacks yeah. and, and more targets. What can you show us here?
9: So the big thing here is these are the latest attacks. So What we used was the platform of the USS Carney, which is a, a cruiser that has uh, Tomahawk missiles on board so they fired the Tomahawk uh, land attack missiles as they're called or TLAMs, lamps to go after a radar facility which uh, is actually near the capital of Sanaa. Uh, this was different from Thursday's attacks which had uh, a multi-nation uh, Coalition that was basically part of it, from a military perspective, was the U.S. and the U.K. The rest of these countries supported uh, this effort. Everyone from Australia to Bahrain, the only Arab nation, plus Canada, the Netherlands, supported uh, this effort as part of uh, the operation that is protecting assets in the Red Sea. Yeah, and what about the map? Let's look at this map because one of the,
6: I mean, a lot of folks at home might be wondering, okay, you know, how what, how many targets might you have when it comes to going after the Houthis? And when we heard 60 targets uh, in that initial round. I mean, just judging by that, I would find it surprising that there would be additional targets after that, but I, we, we shouldn't take this lightly, I mean, there, this is a this is a quasi-state almost that you're talking about here with it, the Houthis. It, it is. Yeah.
9: The, the Houthis are actually really a government in this part of, of Yemen, and, uh, you know, from a targeting perspective, what's interesting is you have military bases in places like the capital, Sana'a, you have air bases near there, uh, you have a drone launch site, which can be really important, especially as it points down into the uh, Red Sea area, this area right here is critical. That's the Bab el mandeb This is uh, the Gate of Soros, as it's actually called. Uh, this is where all that traffic, all that sea traffic goes through from uh, the Gulf of Aden and the Indian Ocean all the way up toward the Suez Canal. And all of these military bases, uh, that are in all of these areas. Those are all legitimate targets because what they do, Jim, is they provide a place for the Houthis to launch the kinds of attacks that they, uh, that they can using these kinds of weapons, cruise missiles, ballistic missiles, and long-range drones. And those are pretty potent weapons.
6: Yeah. And this is why they have been such a menace uh, to to shipping,
9: uh, I guess, uh, vessels in the Red Sea. Absolutely, it's been going on for weeks. Yeah. So it has, and one of the key things that uh, that is part of this is that 20%. Uh, there's been a 20% reduction in shipping activity. Uh, major uh, shipping firms like Maersk, for example, have actually moved their shipments uh, from the Red Sea to go around Africa because those uh, the rerouting actually forces them to add uh, about 3,000 nautical miles and extra days, about eight to ten days longer in a journey that uh, otherwise would be a lot shorter going through yeah. the Red Sea and the Suez Canal, so this is really important from an economic standpoint, and it's also important from a military and geopolitical standpoint. Yeah, it's obviously a lot more expensive to go all the way around, uh, as opposed to straight through the Red Sea. All right, Colonel Layden. Um- due this morning, the U.S. Military Central Command now says U.S. fighter aircraft shot down an anti-ship cruise missile that was fired at a U.S. Navy destroyer in the Red Sea from a Houthi-controlled area of Yemen. And this comes just days after the U.S. and the U.K. launched strikes against Houthi targets in Yemen. The militant group vowed to retaliate. CNN's Oren Lieberman is joining us right now from the Pentagon. Oren, we're now learning what? That another ship was hit by a missile just off the coast of Yemen. What's the latest?
11: We have seen more launches since the incident on Sunday in which a U.S. fighter jet shot down a cruise missile that was fired at a U.S. destroyer in the Red Sea. We've just learned from U.S. Central Command that there was a a, a ballistic missile fired against a U.S. owned and operated vessel. The uh, Central Command did not say exactly where this happened, but the U.K. Maritime Security Organization said that this happened south of Yemen. The missile fired by the Houthis struck the MV Gibraltar Eagle, a Marshall Islands flagged. U.S. owned and operated bulk carrier that was traveling through the Red Sea. one of the world's most critical waterways now according to US Central Command there was minor damage to the ship and no injuries and crucially here the ship itself remained seaworthy which is that it continued on its way as part of its voyage but of course uh, the Houthis had promised to retaliate they said that any US or UK asset was a legitimate target So this, perhaps part of the retaliation and the response that the Houthis had promised against the much more widespread U.S. and U.K. strikes that we saw on Thursday evening. Worth pointing out that the U.S. then carried out a follow-on strike 24 hours later. The Pentagon and the White House had expected a Houthi response. This may be part of it, but the expectation is there will be something Frankly, bigger, broader, and more powerful coming from the Houthis. Still, this is now the third or fourth launch we've seen from Houthi territory following the U.S. strikes. Makes clear that the Houthis retain and still have quite a bit of military capability to try to threaten Red Sea shipping here. The U.S., the U.K., and the other coalition there trying to safeguard that shipping to make the waterway safe. Wolf, I think with what you see here playing out over the last 24 hours, it is impossible to say that the waterway is safe at this point, even as the U.S. tries to get there.
5: And as Israel's war in Gaza passes its 100th day, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has vowed to keep fighting until Israel reaches total victory and completely dismantles Hamas. This comes as Israeli police say the two suspects are now under arrest after multiple car ramming attacks in Renana. At least one person is dead, 14 others hospitalized. Israel says the suspects stole cars and then slammed them into crowds of people at three different locations in that city. Our Patrick Riebel is in Tel Aviv with more. So you recently spoke with the chief economist of the UN World Food Program, which is providing aid there, just put in perspective as we see these new attacks, um, just the dire situation in, in Gaza.
4: Hi, Kira. Yeah, a really dire situation in Gaza. I mean, put simply, um, the UN says that Gaza is starving right now. We spoke, as you say, to the chief economist of the World Food Programme, Arif Hussein, um, who helped assess uh, this is the hunger situation in Gaza recently. Um, and he faced really a, just a catastrophic picture, some really shocking numbers. He said nine out of ten people in Gaza right now are hungry, and a quarter of the population are starving. And um, take a listen to what he told us. Pretty much everybody in Gaza. Um, <coughs>
12: is hungry, and of those people, about 26%, meaning one quarter of the population, is literally starving. If we don't act now, if we don't bring in adequate supplies, if we are not able to deliver those adequate supplies to people wherever they may be, there will be a full-fledged famine, and that's what we need to avoid. Now to our top story,
7: the U.S. launching a new round of retaliatory strikes against Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen overnight.
10: Navy destroyer USS Carney attacking a Houthi-controlled radar site using Tomahawk land-attack missiles. Their latest strike comes just a day after the U.S. partnered
5: with the U.K. to carry out dozens of strikes on the Houthi-controlled areas across Yemen.
13: The Houthis,
10: however, continue to terrorize shipping vessels in the Red Sea, launching a ballistic missile towards international shipping lanes. In total... The Houthis have now attacked 29 ships in the region over the last two months. Let's bring in General Anthony Taylor. He's U.S. Army Brigadier General. Help you give us perspective on this this morning. Uh, General, thanks for being with us. Uh, what do you make of the latest when it comes to both the, the strikes from the Houthis and now America's strikes against the Houthis?
14: Yeah. good morning team Uh, you know our navy will always do us proud Uh, what what I'm really concerned about is our administration's lack of vision in the region and this uh, you know in the Trump administration we had maximum pressure This seems to be maximum appeasement with regard to Iran and these are make no mistake about it uh, Iranian proxies that are fighting uh, against the US against commercial shipping against the western world uh, within uh, the Horn of Africa area so you know when, when we look at it do we know Who's in charge? Uh, This chaos and confusion that has been projected, not just over the last uh, few weeks, but uh, really beginning with the Afghanistan uh, withdrawal and beyond. uh, It projects weakness and the enemy, whenever they see weakness, probes and attacks. And that's exactly what's happening here. So I'm not concerned about our our sailors. They're going to do an awesome job. uh, What they're told to do. What I'm concerned about is this appeasement of Iran that gives the green light. Uh, to uh, attack our, our people our friends our allies and and we removed the hoodies uh, a couple of weeks after uh, Biden takes office uh, Lincoln does from the terrorist watch list and uh, all really is a stick in the eye to uh, MBS in Saudi Arabia but still it was a it was a stupid move and we need to put them back on there we need to get after all of the uh, uh, targets that we can and we need to
0: deter Iran which we're not doing <laughs>
1: Won't you stand, won't you stand by me, I just give a little more
6: time, I just
1: give a little more time
11: with you, I miss that you'll
1: stand by me,
13: won't you
11: stand, won't you
1: stand by me?
15: Faso's audacious actions mark a watershed moment in African leadership, signaling a call to break free from the historical grip of former colonial powers and reclaim control over their resources. It embodies the African continent's unified stance against exploitation, urging African leaders to emulate this defiance and assert sovereignty over their own wealth and governance. Captain Abraham Trior's action acts as a catalyst, awakening African leaders to the potency of their collective power and their ability to quickly counter exploitation if they work together. This seismic shift threatens to disrupt established power dynamics and challenges the status quo. It implies that if African leaders band together, the days of European former colonists manipulating African nations may be numbered. Burkina Faso's steadfast stance serves as a warning to colonial nations attempting to destabilize African sovereignty, indicating that any such efforts would face formidable resistance from the entire African continent, potentially marking a turning point in the continent's relationship with its colonial past. TR Media explores cutting-edge frontiers and transformative initiatives for new and curious audiences interested in the evolving global innovation landscape. We examine recent breakthroughs, providing in-depth coverage of their far-reaching global impact. External attempts to manipulate governance in a single nation will fail when confronted with the collective strength of the entire African continent. However, gold's transformative potential in Burkina Faso raises questions about its actual ability to affect change. Understanding the country's vast mineral wealth is critical in assessing its potential economic impact, particularly as Africa's fourth largest gold producer. Burkina Faso's diverse natural wealth is highlighted by resources such as cement, dolomite, granite, marble, phosphate rock, volcanic materials, and salt. While the presence of abundant resources, particularly gold, indicates economic potential, Converting this wealth into tangible development and prosperity necessitates careful management, infrastructure investment, and long-term policies. Burkina Faso's mineral wealth provides opportunities for economic growth and development, but realizing its transformative potential is dependent on effective governance, responsible resource utilization, and equitable benefit distribution for the nation's advancement. Burkina Faso's position as the world's 14th largest gold producer, with a projected gold output of around 70,000 kilograms in 2022, demonstrates the country's significant contribution to global gold production. Despite this significant output, the country's lack of gold reserves and the disproportionate revenues generated from its extraction present a stark reality. Since 2018, the entry of Australian companies such as Gold Rush Resources Griffin Minerals, Orbeez Gold Limited, and Golden Rim Resources into Burkina Faso's gold exploration landscape has signaled a potential shift in the country's resource management. Despite the widespread presence of measured and indicated gold deposits across Burkina Faso mining sites, the extraction process continues to see the rapid exportation of all mined gold out of the country, eventually ending up in European bank vaults. This scenario represents a watershed moment for Burkina Faso. Faso, highlighting the country's vast yet largely untapped natural resource potential. The presence of foreign firms engaged in exploration activities indicates a potential shift in the utilization of Burkina Faso's resources, providing opportunities for the country to capitalize on its abundant mineral wealth and potentially alter the historical trend in which external entities benefit disproportionately from its resources. The challenge, however, remains in ensuring that the wealth generated by these resources results in meaningful development and prosperity for the nation and its people. The significant gold and other mineral reserves present a transformative opportunity for Burkina Faso's trajectory. Captain Abraham Traor's desire to reclaim control of the country's resources raises the prospect of equitable distribution and utilization of gold and other vital minerals to benefit Burkina Faso and its people. This watershed moment has the potential to redirect the wealth generated by the land's resources back into the country, fostering internal growth, sustainable development, and shared prosperity within Burkina Faso. The prospect of Burkina Faso, managing its own resources, represents a significant shift in the country's economic and social landscape. If implemented successfully, this autonomy could allow the country to use its natural resources to drive economic development create local opportunities, invest in infrastructure, education, and healthcare, and promote a more equitable distribution of wealth among its citizens. Gaining control of its resources can mark a watershed moment in Burkina Faso's evolution from a nation exploited for its wealth to one that leverages its own wealth for the benefit of its people and future generations. Burkina Faso has the opportunity to capitalize on its gold mining potential, generating revenue internally and fostering economic independence by shifting away from reliance on foreign entities. By taking control of its resources, the government can create jobs for its citizens in the mining sector and other related industries, allowing the generated income to stay within its borders. This strategic move would not only strengthen the country's financial stability, but it would also contribute to a more robust and self-sufficient economy. Ibrahim Troor's visionary strategy goes beyond gold mining, with the goal of reshaping Burkina Faso's economic landscape by diversifying investments and fostering growth across multiple sectors. Prioritizing ventures other than gold mining implies a deliberate focus on growing industries such as agriculture, manufacturing, and technology. The government can catalyze job creation, strengthen economic resilience, and stimulate overall growth by encouraging the development of these sectors. This multifaceted approach aims to reduce Burkina Faso's reliance on a single industry, ensuring a more balanced and sustainable economic foundation. Captain Abraham Traor's strategic vision entails a fundamental shift in power dynamics, allowing Burkina Faso to chart his own economic course. The intention to keep gold resources within the country represents a fundamental shift toward economic self-determination, with the goal of harnessing these resources for the benefit of the entire population. This strategy envisions leveraging gold wealth to eliminate poverty, foster inclusive growth, and provide opportunities, particularly for the country's youth, paving the way for Burkina Faso to have a more prosperous and equitable future. Implementing such a strategy in Burkina Faso will be difficult given the complexities of the global economic environment. It necessitates astute decision-making, resilient governance structures, and active international collaboration. Negotiating the complexities of economic independence and resource management necessitates strategic planning, effective policies, and the ability to navigate global economic dynamics while protecting the country's interests. The path to economic autonomy would necessitate a concerted effort to build strong systems that prioritize internal development while navigating the complexities of global trade and economic interdependence. Despite the formidable obstacles, the potential dividends of this transformation are enormous, offering a promising future for Burkina Faso and its people. While the road ahead may be difficult, Burkina Faso's determination to break free from exploitation and eradicate poverty remains firm. The pursuit of economic autonomy is motivated by a vision of a more equitable, prosperous, and self-sufficient future for the country, instilling hope for a brighter tomorrow despite the challenges ahead. Captain Abraham Traor's unwavering commitment to empowering the people of Burkina Faso and steering the country toward a brighter future serves as a beacon of hope in the fight against the resource curse. His commitment embodies a vision that goes beyond the current constraints imposed by gold mining dominance, aiming to free the nation and its people from economic constraints. Trora's unwavering pursuit of a better and more prosperous Burkina Faso represents a break from the cycle of reliance on external entities, imagining a future in which the country uses its resources for internal development and collective growth. Burkina Faso's heavy reliance on gold mining, in essence, perpetuates a narrow economic spectrum and a cycle of external dependency. Ibrahim Trora's audacious proposal to reclaim sovereignty over the country's resources represents a daring step toward breaking free from this pattern. Trora's vision aims to create a more self-sufficient Burkina Faso by prioritizing national development and promoting economic diversification, fostering hope for a future in which the country can steer its destiny towards prosperity and inclusive growth beyond the confines of a single industry.
1: See. I see what he's doing. And they think it's gonna be a struggle. How I'm looking at it, y'all gonna blow up like the world tracing Because y'all, y'all gonna have it going on, and now y'all got to have some people in the fence that ride that fence, the, the wise man that how y'all gonna how y'all gonna do it? How y'all gonna how y'all gonna regulate it? Because Y'all got all the minerals that they are using in America and all over the world with these phones and stuff. Y'all got all that stuff over there, right? So they got to give you the money. Y'all ain't need see y'all who had to let that money come to y'all. Y'all ain't even had to spend no money. If y'all know how to y'all need to come and get some of these brothers down here in, in Baltimore, these hustler brothers, show y'all how to hustle. Y'all better come down here to be more. I tell you down here, these brothers know how to hustle. They'll show you the hustle. If they had the right thing to hustle with, they'll come and hustle it. And y'all got all these minerals out here. And y'all, y'all letting, y'all, y'all getting the hustle of hustling y'all. Because if they need a phone and I'm getting all these minerals and all these things, they gonna pay me what? Gold. Anything you want from me, you're going to pay me gold or some type of military military equipment. Gold or any type of military equipment. That's the mindset I have because I already know I need to build up my military force, right? And I already know, you know, I already got to keep my pockets right and keep the family around it. Around the nation good so we all can eat good. And they up here working and paying the people good to, to dig this stuff out and having the equipment with the gold they give you. How much you want? All right. We want such and such up front. Once we get such and such up front, we'll start the motion. And with that such-and-such up front, you already paying your people. Because you already know the money right there. The money on the ground right there. All you got to do is dig it up. Hey. I already know. The Caucasian man and the Caucasian woman did a doozy on us over here. And I know... France did a doozy on y'all because I've been looking at y'all for a long time and y'all just realizing y'all in in the trick bag. So y'all got to, y'all had to, y'all got to be the game now. Y'all, y'all the banks And then dealing with France, I... France, France had to have a mediator to even talk to me. All these other, all these other countries that oppressed my people in that time, you just had to have a mediator to even talk, talk on, talk to me. And then if that mediator come talk to me right, maybe we'll have a conversation. But France and them, no, oh, no, 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 no. You too much in the pocket right now. You too much. You got a scar that haven't healed yet. Until this scar heals, I I I don't want to talk to you right now. That's the mindset y'all got to have, man. Y'all sitting out here want to fight, fight, fight each other over a couple of nickels and dimes, and these people out here getting billions and billions of dollars, and y'all can stop. One army. One nation. Then split up. All, and Then all you got to do is split it up. But when it comes to the whole nation, one army, one nation. Because y'all getting ready to blow up like the World Trade Center. That, now that's what I see now. But I'm still looking at. Don't forget now. I'm still looking like I'm looking at this like a movie, right? I'm checking out this, and I'm looking at this like I'm watching a movie. I'm saying this. I'm root for ever, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm still looking at what Bible what Bible prophecy said, right? Either the Bible's a lie that we supposed to get neck, and the Most High's supposed to come down here and turn up this whole world, or or the Bible's a lie because I'm rooting for them looking for the best of them opening up their eyes and all this other stuff but there's a whole lot of stuff that people don't realize that the most High got to come down here and straighten up you can't you can't be wicked and do all this crazy stuff without no accountability. And that's what the world don't teach us and the world don't want us to feel that we got accountability. And I noticed when you know I was watching this thing on TV on CNN or whatever and my man was talking about Jesus Christ and this and that and he just automatically blinked down the lady said, "Oh, he's, see" We already—that's why the Bible says James four and four. You already—you—you you so much in deep into this world madness that you want to be a part of a wicked way. And I keep telling you, the earth is given to the hands of the wicked. If you can and, and, and if you can't understand that, you should understand this. We as People, we as black men and black women, Latino men and Latino women, and Native Indian men and Native Indian women can tell you the ones that consciously know and know their history more than I know, my, know it. They got it down pat. That how ruthless America is the Caucasian man and the Caucasian woman was with us and our forefathers. How and crucial! And we didn't have no outcry. Somebody help us! Somebody pray! Nobody wasn't there. We was being molested. We was being. We was being. We was been treated like savages, and they was acting like savages. Right. That's why when Africa go out here and charge United States of America with genocide, of course, with Israel, they should charge America, United States of America, genocide for the black man and black woman, and Latino man and Latino woman, and a Native Indian woman and the man.
15: Burkina Faso's independence from of
1: this world and this country. the independence we want we all got to get not just one situation it's all situation now everybody everybody talking about palestine let's talk about what they did to us and they continue doing to us over and over and over and over again We got 400 years of master and slaughter on on the table right now that haven't been cleaned up. Where's all the protest about that? But we don't want to talk about that. That's another subject. Because we already hit Bible prophecy. We're the true children of God. And most of these people know that we're the true children of God. And most of them don't. Oh, faith, everybody's children of God. Everybody. You show me that in the Bible. Because the Bible don't say everybody is the children of God. The Bible don't say that. So we're going to go to Genesis 17 and 20. You know Ishmael is the forefather of the Arabs, right? Let's go. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall be gotten and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will establish with Isaac which Sarah shall bear unto them and this set time in the next year. So the Bible says, the Bible said, but my covenant will be established with Isaac. Who is Isaac? Who did Isaac have? Jacob and Esau. So the Most High made a covenant with him. And this is, what is the covenant that he made with him? the 613 law statutes and commandments. If the Most High know that He gonna make a nation out of out of His loins, this is what you need to start having a mindset to do, so I can go on into the Revelation, right? Because, for example, my brother got seven children, right? So his firstborn got seven or eight. That's his firstborn. So you see how a nation could continue, continue to grow like that. So this is how the mindset of how the most high was telling Abraham that how he's gonna have a nation. Right? Just like Jacob, Jacob had 12 sons. And when his 12 sons became blue, coming out. Right? This is how it's formed. So let's go on. Romans 9 and 6. Not, not as though the word of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel, neither because of the they are the seed of Abraham. They are, they are, all call, they are children, but in Isaac shall the seed be called. That is, they which are the children, the that is, they which are the children of the flesh. They are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are accounted for the seed. See, everybody said, We are God children. That's not what the Bible says. Romans 9 and 8. That is They which are the children of the flesh. They which are the children of the flesh. It didn't say spirit or Holy Spirit. It said flesh. They which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God but the children of the promise counted of the seed. For for the, child, for the word of promise of all time will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca also have conceived by one ever by our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither, neither have done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to the election might stand. Not a word, but of him that calleth. It said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. And it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. So, this is what scriptures say. Okay, now y'all gotta clear two two things for me then. Jacob. He said he loved. Who is Jacob? Came from Isaac. So he already said he got the promise. Who is Esau? Came from Isaac. Right? He hated Esau. So who is the forefathers of Esau? And who is the forefathers of, of, of Jacob? Because the Most High told Isaac that he gonna have a nation, so he already had had he had twins coming out, and his nation came from Jacob and Esau, cause there was two nations. Now y'all gotta explain to me why the Most High the Most High loved everybody, why he said he hate Esau. And then the Bible said, then the Bible said that the children of the flesh that came from Abraham because you came from Abraham, you the children of the flesh, you are not the children of God. Oh, faith, you just you just taking it out of context. You taking it out of context. Then you put it in context then. So we already know the children of God and now you already know who um, we said about the a uh, Ishmael is the A-Rabs. And, and I don't know for sure, but through the listening of Farrakhan, when he talk about the A-Rabs and some of the brothers talking about the A-Rabs, that they are prejudiced, they don't like black people, I don't know. But I, I don't know personally because I haven't been on my radar but, you know, through listening to conversation with people saying that's what they say, right? So we got to, the Bible says it's going to be nation against all nations. Now, let's see what's going on. That's why I say Africa, you got to be one army, one nation. Let's analyze.
13: Just recently, relations between the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Nigeria went to their lowest possible level after something unexpected happened. Nigerian authorities immediately contacted Saudi authorities asking for an explanation for their actions. In turn, Saudi Arabia did not offer much detail, leading to a cold battle-like situation between the two countries. But what did Saudi Arabia do to the Nigerians? How targeting the people of Nigeria has become a new Saudi policy, laying the groundwork for a conflict that can escalate? In this video, let's find out how Saudi Arabia did the unthinkable to Nigerians causing nationwide grievances. Let's get started. (music) Diplomatic ties between Saudi Arabia and Nigeria are under scrutiny after 177. Nigerians were denied entry to Saudi Arabia at the airport. Nigeria's foreign ministry revealed that only 87 of the 264 Nigerian nationals arriving in Jeddah on an airpiece flight were allowed entry. The rest had their visas canceled and were deported. Reports indicate that some passengers were pilgrims intending to perform the Umrah in Mecca, the Islamic holy city. The widespread visa cancellations coincided with Nigeria's President Bola Tinubu being in Saudi Arabia for bilateral talks with the Saudi government. Following public outcry on social media, the Saudi embassy in Nigeria clarified that the affected passengers had not met the entry conditions and had provided incorrect information for a visa category not applicable to them. However, more underlying reasons hint at worsening relations between the two countries. Even if the Nigerian president was in Saudi Arabia at that time, the kingdom gave a subtle sign showing what it actually wanted to do with Nigeria. Saudi Arabia mandates specific travel documents, Umrah or Hajj visas, for pilgrimage, preventing holders of tourist visas from performing Hajj or Umrah during the Hajj season, according to regulations by the Ministry of Hajj and Umrah. The type of visas held by the deported Nigerians remains unclear. Airpeace, the Nigerian carrier, expressed surprise at Saudi Arabia revoking the visas upon arrival, stating it strictly adhered to profiling procedures mandated by Saudi authorities. The airline emphasized that all passengers' visas were verified before departure, with no prior notice of cancellation or denial from Saudi authorities. However, the Saudi statement clarified that the cancellations were not exclusive to Nigerian citizens, urging all passengers to ensure their documents comply with the conditions before traveling to the kingdom. Even if the kingdom is explaining, the incident is being called a diplomatic slap on Nigeria's face. Commentators have labeled the recent incident as a significant embarrassment for Nigeria, particularly as its president remained in Saudi Arabia following his participation in the Saudi Africa Summit. The president departed on Thursday morning for Guinea-Bissau to attend Independence Day celebrations, as confirmed by the presidency. Victor Okai, an advisory board member of the African Diaspora Foundation, a group advocating for the welfare of the African diaspora, described the situation as a diplomatic slap, stating, this is obviously a very significant diplomatic blow. He highlighted a lack of sensitivity by Saudi officials, given the ongoing visit of the Nigerian president. Reno Omokiri, a former Nigerian presidential aide, echoed similar sentiments, deeming Saudi Arabia's action embarrassing and detrimental to bilateral relations. He raised questions about the visa revocations, especially with Nigeria's president currently in Saudi Arabia expressing concern about the disregard shown toward Nigeria. Some Nigerians have called for the summoning of the Saudi ambassador to address the situation. This incident compounds the challenges faced by Nigerians with visa entry in the region. Despite interventions by Nigeria's president Bola Tanubu, recent reports indicate that the United Arab Emirates has not lifted a year-long visa ban on Nigerian travelers. Saudi Arabia, a popular pilgrimage destination for thousands of Nigerian Muslims, has a history of refusing entry to travelers. In 2012, over 1,000 female pilgrims from Nigeria were deported for arriving without male chaperones. The Ministry of Pilgrimage in Saudi Arabia defended its decision, emphasizing that individuals not adhering to the terms and requirements of the entry visa for the Hajj pilgrimage would not be permitted. Saudi law mandates that every female pilgrim under the age of 45 must have a male sponsor during the pilgrimage, regardless of nationality. Hatim bin Hassan Qadi, the spokesman for the pilgrimage ministry, clarified that this rule applies to all women seeking an entry visa to Saudi Arabia for Hajj. Binta Malami, another woman in the group, revealed that she traveled with her husband but was denied entry to Saudi Arabia due to a discrepancy in her husband's name compared to her passport. In protest of what he deemed inhumane treatment, her husband chose to return with her. Saudi authorities refuted any allegations of mistreatment in their statement. The Ministry of Hajj reiterated its commitment to receiving pilgrims from around the world with ease and comfort in accordance with applicable instructions. Nigeria initiated the repatriation of its citizens after a delegation led by the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Al-Haji Aminu Tambuwal discussed the incident with Saudi officials. al Hamman Haman Adama Tukur, one of the Nigerian clerics assisting the stranded women, explained that the women were accompanied by male escorts. However, difficulties arose in the checking system at Jeddah Airport, where security personnel claimed the women were unaccompanied by their guardians and were unwilling to consider any explanations. Nigeria's government is actively working to prevent a recurrence acknowledging the sovereign right of nations to control entry into their territories while emphasizing the traditional and strategic partnership between Nigeria and Saudi Arabia. The foreign ministry has affirmed its commitment to preventing such unfortunate incidents in the future. However, you should know that Saudi Arabia is not the only nation in the Middle East humiliating Nigeria. The United Arab Emirates refuted the claims made by the Nigerian government that it would lift a year-long visa ban on Nigerian travelers. A Gulf state official informed CNN, there are no changes on the Nigeria UAE travel status so far. In October of the previous year, the UAE declared it would cease issuing visas to citizens from Nigeria and 19 other African nations without providing additional details. The accessibility of a 30-day tourist visa, which was previously straightforward, abruptly became unavailable to Nigerian nationals. Flights between the two countries were suspended last year after Dubai's Emirates airline halted operations in Nigeria, citing withheld revenues totaling $85 million. Later, Nigeria's President Bola Tinubu met with UAE leader Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nahyan in Abu Dhabi, where both leaders purportedly finalized a historic agreement, according to a statement from the Nigerian government. The statement asserted that the agreement paved the way for lifting the visa ban and immediately resumption of flights between the countries. However, a subsequent statement by the UAE government contradicted this, indicating that both leaders had explored opportunities for further bilateral collaboration without explicitly mentioning lifting the visa ban or resuming flights. In a subsequent statement, Nigerian government spokesman Ngalale acknowledged that officials from both countries needed more time to finalize agreement details, contradicting his earlier statement. He emphasized allowing the process to unfold organically, free from speculation. Nigerians welcomed the potential lifting of the visa ban, as Dubai is a preferred destination for tourists and a significant hub for real estate investors from Nigeria. Before the pandemic, Nigerians were among Dubai's largest foreign real estate investors, with investments valued at nearly $2 billion, Emirates Airlines operated two daily flights from Lagos, Nigeria to Dubai and one daily flight from the capital Abuja to Dubai before the imposition of the visa ban. Now, the latest visa cancellation by Saudi Arabia is showing a similar pattern. Airpeace flight number P4752 transported 264 passengers from Lagos and Kano to Jeddah on November 13, 2023. Upon landing at the King Abdulaziz International Airport, 177 passengers were informed by Saudi immigration authorities that their visas had been canceled, resulting in their return to Nigeria on the same flight. In a statement, the Saudi Embassy in Nigeria clarified that the denied passengers had not met the entry conditions and requirements. But who will decide the entry conditions and requirements that no one explains? Also, these requirements change often. Selectively applying to individuals from particular countries, the embassy alleged that these passengers had submitted incorrect information to obtain a visa category that did not apply to them. The given excuse was quite lame because if the documents were incorrect, the flight would not have reached Saudi Arabia in the first place. In contrast to the embassy's explanation, Airpeace, through its chief operating officer, Mrs. O- Just.
12: out. Exposing the sample, call him Kunye West, America gonna be destroyed, no doomsday threats, it's gonna get hit with ballistic missiles from Gog and Magog, you shouldn't have had liposuction, should have jogged the weight off, we the resistance, hear the bravery in my voice, you lied to us when you said slavery was a choice. Nigga must have smoked up a whole quarter piece. 1441, we was kidnapped by the Portuguese. When I hear the words, make America great again. All it means is make blacks and Latino slaves again. You said Bush don't care about black people. When it comes to cooning, you're a Barclay and Shaq's equal. You was the realest spitter, ripping the beat up. Now you in a sunken place, Phone clicking the teacup. Yeah, learning you're a slave. Mom turning in her grave. Lyrical sermon on the page, just burning off America age. was great when they stole the land from the natives, it was great when they brought blacks over on slave ships, it was great when they prospered off free labor, it was great when Burning our bodies with sweet savor, it was great when They could rape our women at will, it was great when They did our children like Emmett Till, it was great when Firemen sprayed us with hoses, it was great when They killed all our modern day Moses Could you cherish a place where we perished in hate Then wear a hat that says you wanna make America great Your character's fake, saying Trump represents freedom He's eat em. he told cops when you stop, blacks mistreat them. Everything changed when you got with that ratchet thought Your mom's casket dropped, Evil, cerebral and rapid thoughts the aftershock you started tweaking off acid drops high as an astronaut i bet this shit happened to travis scott watch the throne you really sold yourself a dream it seemed the people higher up got the lowest self-esteem you're made back on the road to hell you should be wearing that hat that said you sold for sale Look at all this backlash, hate. First you backstab, hold, then you backstab Drake. MK Ultra eye stuck in your mouth wide. This ain't the same Kumbaya from the south side. America was great when cotton picking with bloody fingers. It was great when. We called Mexicans beaners, it was great when we didn't have a voice to speak, it was great when they fed us scraps, no choice to eat, it was great when they fed our babies to gators, it was great when they beat us before the taser, it was great in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, it was great when the media didn't cover our stories. Yeah, this is Deacon, aka Five Lawyers, Sakari. All oh, praise you, how about Shamiel Shy. Hey, Kanye, man get out you out of pocket homie all the jews all the gems all the jewels and gems you gave us about our history all the social injustice that you spoke out about and now this this ain't the land of our rest alright we under curses we israelites they not for us man